everybody, and welcome to a new century of Dungeons and Diapers episode following historic Dungeons and Diapers 100. Again, possibly the longest running podcast of all time. Uh, we're back. I'm Crofton Steers with me, Ryan Murphy. Ryan, how are you? Very good. Very good. As you can tell, I've had three or four days to recover from going camping. So feeling much Sweet. better. Yeah, we're going to be talking about camping today. That's the topic. I know we have a topic every week uh, in the diapers. Now our topic is camping. I know we talked about it being something else. Uh, it will be camping because Ryan and I both went camping. But Ryan, I have some bad news for you. Okay. So you know, I love you, Ryan. You're you're a great co-host. But I've been getting you know feedback and stuff based on Dungeons and Diapers 100, and uh, now. Uh, you know, an informal polling of listeners has shown that you've dropped down to fourth place all time amongst Dungeons and Diapers hosts. I'm obviously number one. I mm -hmm. think everybody knows. And then number two and number three are now Gwen and Caden, who uh, one episode have have bumped you unfortunately down to number number four i know this was a concern we had about having them on and stuff you know caden obviously has been gunning for your job for some time um and after that roller coaster update i don't know ryan we might have to have some conversations well may i remind you in your own words as i mentioned not being a mathematician i need to i need to dig into it a little bit so you might want to dig into it a little bit <laughs> yeah i'll dig into it we're just really excited uh on that front so speaking of digging into it, I'm not going to spend as much time as I did on the stand-up update this week, but maybe you can play the bumper that everybody loves so much. Joke Watch 2023. <laughs> Thank you, good sir. Um, I so I I did another I did another open mic, and this time it was at the same place as last time, but unlike the last time when I told the big story about dr being drawn for a lotto, I planned my sort of seven minutes. And I'm here to tell you, Ryan, that I bombed. Oh, no. That's not good. I love the slow reaction there. It's like, oh, no, that's bad. Um, that is bad. Sorry, I was taking a drink. I didn't realize you were going to throw it to me. Um, that is unfortunate. I know it feels bad, Brian, and I know why I bombed, but to make matters worse, my friends were there. So my friend Mike- <laughs> You did what you told me you were going to do. <laughs> I know. I told them about it and they showed support and they came out and they watched me because they knew I was on the, the thing. Bo had a podcast, but Mike and Breck were there. And, you know, I felt, you know, bombing sucks, but bombing in front of your friends who didn't see you when you were good is, is, is tough. And I'll tell you, Ryan, the reason that I bombed and I know why I bombed um, was because I got in my own head, which kind of makes a lot of sense when you think about something like this. I had planned out my standup in too much detail. I had written myself a script and there was another guy who was like, he was like in his mid fifties and, and he had taken the stand-up class and he'd only ever done stand-up three times in his life. And he went up with the script and it was all written out and he read through it. And when he did that, I remember thinking to myself, shit, you can do that. And I had my script written on my phone and I was like, well, I'm going to read my script. 
That, Ryan, was a mistake. So reading something, no matter how funny it may be, does not lend itself to bonding with the audience. It does not lend itself to you gauging punchlines or timing. So um, so because of that, because of reading it, because that's what I did for my seven-minute set, I think that it was it was not great. And I had somebody film it and I can barely watch it because I'm just like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. Um, and so I, what I'll say about that is like, everybody will tell you that people bomb and you learn from it and so forth and so on. That's absolutely true. But as a new stand-up comic, when I got off stage, I never wanted to do it again. I was like, that's it. You know, I can't take, take that. That's, that's horrible. Um, as time has passed, I'm now like, no, you know, I, I, I look back, I realize why I was bad and how I could do better. And, uh, you know, I need to get back in the saddle and I know it. And like last time when I provided the update, I was so excited. And, and, th and this time I'm like, oh, not, not good at all. But bombing is part of it. And uh, I think, I think, you know, I, I, I learned some lessons from it. If I go up next time with those lessons and I feel like I do better and I bomb again, well, you know, delicate confidence can get shaken pretty can get shaken confidence can get destroyed pretty easily. And I think that's the point that I'm at. So I want to be sure the next time I go up is good. I called a spot uh on my way to my to the time that I bombed. And I found out after the weekend that that I had gotten that spot that I called. But it was for Tuesday, so this past Tuesday, and I had just come back from camping and I was really tired. And I knew that if I went up on, on the Tuesday that and I bombed again that I was probably done so I canceled so I backed out and I said like look I'm you know I I had to I have to cancel please give the spot to someone else so um so next week though hope to get back on the horse and have a a, a better update maybe next time to be like hey I, I went up I did it again and this time I killed you know but we'll see yeah oh man that's that is really unfortunate and uh you know, and just reading, it is so funny, like reading like a script, even if it is funny, you kind of have to have a bit. That's a real art to be able to do it as if you're off the cuff, but still like glancing at your notes, you know. And I, I think when I was, uh, you know, doing doing those speech, uh, you, you know, when you're in grade school, I think back to, to that time when you do those, you have to do speeches in some of the later grades and high school as well. And I suppose college too and the university. Well, you really have to do speeches a lot, honestly, when you think about it. But what the point I'm trying to make is like, I think some of the best advice I'd gotten is like, have your cue cards, but make them point form. They're really there to help you with your place, not necessarily help you with your entire speech. Uh, they're to, they're to keep you like on flow. Right. So, um, yeah, it, but but and that's probably what the guy before was doing. But it's hard to say. Some people probably can read and they know their stuff so well that they can just kind of like go through it. But I, I I think you're right. Like the the best thing to do next is to like cautiously plan for a follow up. But like I think you were smart to cancel because like to rush back in, especially when you're tired. And we've all kind of done that. Like uh, maybe maybe not like with a real life thing, but with video games or something it's like, Oh man, I'm just going to give this another try. And you just got to know when to like take a break and, and come back at it when you're, 
when you're fresh, right? So yeah, and I think that's what I, you know, that's what I'm gonna do. I Mike gave me some good feedback, both Breck and Mike. You know, when you bomb and you sort of have a sense that you bomb, but you need to check in with other side, so check in with my, you know, you check in with your friends. You're like, I, you know, like I think I bombed. And they say stuff like, well, you know, you just, it's really, it's just really impressive and brave that you even get up there. That's, that's tough to do. When, when people are saying stuff like that, it's really nice. It's like a friend thing to say, but all they have to say is actually, I thought you were really funny and that would be way better, but they're not saying that because they know that you bombed and like I'm to their, to their, um to their benefit, like defense in their defense, rather they, they're they were both very uh, meticulous in the way that they, they sort of gave me feedback. And I thought that it was really good. Mike's feedback was very much based on the fact that the reading took away my Crofton voice. He's like, I find you funny. He said, you have a Croftonness that did not translate when you were just reading this thing. And I'm like, no, I, you know, that's, that's definitely, I can see why that would be like, so no, no matter how you do it, cue cards or whatever, if you're reading some of your, your voice, you're trying to find your voice. Right. And, and I wasn't necessarily able to Breck uh, went further. And he said to me that he actually thought my content was some of the best of the night of the other open mic. Uh, folks, it was just again the way that I delivered it that just did not did not work. And I will say that I feel like I bombed, but I think overall in that open mic, I was of the comedians there fairly inoffensive and unmemorable. Meaning that even though I personally felt that I bombed, it was because I didn't get any laughs. But I don't think people left thinking that guy bombed. I think that because there was a few people that actively bombed. And what, by that, I mean like there was one comedian that was hostile with the audience and making insult jokes at the audience, except they weren't funny. Uh, and they weren't even really jokes. They were more like just straight insults. And that guy got like was really bad. And he he bombed and people will remember him bombing and be like, what the hell was with that guy? Right. Whereas I just bombed as somebody more naturally trying to be funny, but being unsuccessful. I think people, uh, I think I'm harder on myself than perhaps, you know, a lot of the audience members would be, but yeah, I got to get, got to get back out there when the time is right. So uh, uh, I'm hoping maybe even the next, the next week or so to do it. So enough of that, Ryan, enough of that. I just wanted to update because one of the things that doing these things, keeping us honest, having these, these, these chronicles is, is to celebrate the victories, but also to, you know, recognize that sometimes it doesn't always work out. And in this case, it, it, you know, it didn't work out for me and I didn't want to shy away from talking about that. Yeah. Before we do move on though, I'm curious, like, would it be a useful exercise? And I, and I think like half of this will definitely be something I recommend you do, but like recording just the audio of your uh of your seven minutes for yourself to kind of hear it but do it in a way where you like okay i've run through it a couple times by reading it now i'm going to try to like deliver it because like really stand up is stand up is a performance right it's not just uh it can be off the cuff but in this specific case it, you're doing a performance um so it might be useful to do a couple of runs without just on your your cue sheets or whatever and then do a run where you're trying you try to record yourself and that's the half i would absolutely recommend you doing the other half is uh you know releasing it as a dad mini 
in between our episodes because I think that would be a lot of fun for folks to hear. But I think that first half you absolutely should do. The second half, totally up to you. It's really about your comfort level. <laughs> I need an audience. I can't just record it and, and put it out. I would feel uncomfortable doing that. But that's that said, in terms of um in terms of listening to myself, uh, you know, it's a good trick. People this is the this is the difficulty about bombing, Ryan. When you bomb, like part of the idea of going to these things is testing jokes and to be a lot of people are testing them to see if they work or not. And you hear them say like, Oh, I'm getting rid of that one. Or I'm not going to do that one. When, when I got like no laughs in that, in that set, I got smiles. I could see them, but no laughs. So for me, I want to kill that entire set now. Like I don't uh. want to, I, I don't want to record it and try to deliver it punchier. I want to do something completely different. And so I, I mean, like I, I could still do what you suggest once I craft a new, you know, six, seven minutes or whatever there was, I was a little too cute by half. I tried to make it all connect and all flow together. There was a gentleman who had been doing it for much longer than I had, who was there. He Hamilton, he gave me some suggestions and Hamilton said, uh, like before, I, I wasn't able to talk to him afterwards. And he's like, don't be too hard on yourself. It's only your second time. But but when he did his set, what was interesting was that he just did joke, joke, joke. And the jokes weren't even connected. They were just jokes. Funny, like funny jokes, some missed. But it was like, it was, you know, it wasn't like these Netflix specials where everything was connecting that I was trying to put too much effort in. It was just like, here's a joke. Here's a joke. Here's a joke. And it, honestly, like, that's pretty much how I use Twitter anyway, you know? Uh, so it's a matter of like curating some of those and being like, okay, I'm just going to get in front of a mic, deliver them one after the other. And some, some will hit and I'll get some laughs and that will build my confidence, you know? So I think that, I think that I will work on, on, on doing that, figuring out some one liner, two liner jokes, you know, um, instead of, instead of getting overly complicated with my interconnected jokes, right? Like, I don't think that's, that's what's needed on day one, you know? So okay. when, especially when you don't even know how to hold the mic properly or project your voice, like you're working on these basic skills as well as all this other stuff. So this podcast is turning into learning to be a stand up. I didn't mean for that, but I do appreciate the audience's indulgence with my journey. Uh, and uh, maybe we can now indulge in the dungeons and and some of the geeky stuff that uh, that Ryan and I have been up to. And again, because I've been talking a lot, let's let's uh, let's let Ryan go first. Ryan, what have you been up to, my friend? Well, let's uh, let's do another. <laughs> we were talking pre-show. Like, do we really need? Is it is it really a watch if if it's going? Uh, fairly smoothly, but uh, I do love our bumpers. So, book watch twenty twenty three. So yeah, uh, I read another book, Crofton, since we last spoke. I would just, for the record, like like it. I think it would be hilarious if, for the rest of your life, every year, um, you know. It's like book watch 2024, book watch 2025. You're reading like a hundred books a year, but you're still labeling it. And at one point you become famous for your book watches and, and you write an autobiography like book watch, a life in book watches by Ryan Murphy. Uh, but uh, I'm still willing to allow you to use that bumper uh, for now to keep you honest. Book watch 2023, you've read another book. What is it? 
Well, uh, so as I think I talked about this on the show uh, a couple weeks ago, I was trying to. So I'm 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 in recovery, right? Because I got halfway through Mistborn, the first book, and I I had to return it to the library. I'd literally renewed it for a month and a half, um, and I was like, okay, time to give this one back. Actually, more than uh, two months, actually. So it was it was it was getting. To the point where, like, I was not going to be able to finish this. And I'd, I'd gotten some recommendations from some friends. Uh, and those were uh, Andy Weir's newest book, which is Hail Mary Project. Now, this is the author who did The Martian. A lot of people are familiar with that from the movie uh, starring Matt Damon. You know, let's science this this uh, this stuff, is I believe the line from the, uh, the PBS airing. Um, and... <laughs> So anyways, I, I read this, I read this book and, and here's the thing. Um, when I was checking out the library, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get, you know, Andy Weir's second book. And the librarian's like, oh, actually there's uh this is his third book. There's a second one, but it's not as good. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, well maybe I'll read that one next. Um, which is, uh, it's called Artemis. And I'm, I'm about, about 200 pages into that one now that I've, I've finished Hail Mary Project. So I'm actually making really good progress uh, on this on this guy's uh, series of books. But specifically with the Hail Mary Project, I wanted to talk about why I think I kind of stopped reading. And that's because like when I like there are a lot of great books. And I think that the Thursday Murder Club books fall into this category where I want to finish it. I want to I want to finish this book like I'm at a point where sometimes I worry with the book, like I'm going to get to a point where I'm not going to be able to put this down and that might happen to be the last 200 pages in which I don't have a, I don't have that, that amount of free time to sit and read 200 pages. Um, but it turns out I did get that free time <laughs> uh, because uh, Ashley. So the two kids were at the grandparents, two oldest were at the grandparents. And Ashley, this leads into our camping conversation, but Ashley took Izzy camping because Izzy had never been camping and she wanted to test it out and I and I was working both days so I stayed home so for the first time since like the kids were born I had the whole house to myself like a whole day an evening and a morning which is like crazy so what did I do I uh sat and read this book for like eight hours straight (laughs) I was I was up until like three in the morning uh finishing it I can't believe it honestly Ryan like just not you know, I can't believe it for multiple reasons, but one is, is the fact that, like, I just assumed that you would, like, mainline a video game, you know? Yeah, and and I I had all these great intentions, and I know Travis is listening, all these great intentions to play Elden Ring. Um, <laughs> and it, it happened to be a Tuesday, so uh, we moved Gamers In around, and I was like, oh, I can, I can record Gamers In whenever you want. Like, we can record at 6 o'clock, because there's no kids. I can just eat dinner right after. I don't have to put anyone to bed. Um, I don't have to wear clothes. <laughs> I can just do whatever. No, I definitely wore clothes. Um, and, and you know, I told Ashley, "Oh, I'll mow the lawn. You're gonna you're gonna be going camping. I'll mow the lawn." So like, I'm I'm coming up with all these excuses, but literally, like, what I did was I by the time I was like, "Okay, let's let's uh, let's 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 play some video games," it was already too late. And I'm like, "Man, my plan was to like play video games like right at six o'clock, have dinner." And just play until I was sick of it. 
And uh, that didn't happen. So I was like, well, next best thing, let's go to bed and read some of this book and have like a decent full night sleep, sleep in, don't have to worry about kids waking me up. I gotta go to the bathroom. You know, so um, I I got to that point in the book where it's like, shit, I gotta finish this, you know? Uh, And I stayed up way too late finishing it, uh, even though technically the next morning I probably could have read more of it. I, I don't why I felt I needed to do it all in one sitting. But this is the reason kind of like I feel like maybe I stepped away from reading. I know. Uh, it's Like chapters are made to be like cliffhangers. Or me, you're, you're stepping away at the climax of a movie, especially at the end. You know, it's the same. It's the same with any piece of entertainment that has a narrative arc. As like you're heading towards resolution, you want to get to that resolution. And it doesn't matter what time it is. Like I, my joke with my wife is that I, you know, Every, those dolls that you pull the lever and they would say like one of three different things, you know. Uh, There's a snake in my boot, that sort of stuff. Yes. Well, we, we often joke, what would they say? Like for, I could make a Ryan Murphy one easily uh for the podcast to be a and, and and pull it and there's there's at least three or four ryan murphyisms that i prob- probably say but but my wife one of the things uh that she would say is i'm just gonna read this last chapter and then go to bed <laughs> that that is that is like because often like if i'm in bed and she's still awake and she she reads almost uniformly on her phone now which is crazy but but she's like she's like holding her phone and she's like I'm just gonna read this last chapter and then I'm gonna go to bed and that is like she knows it's like it's sort of like a joke because you know the the odds are that she's gonna just you know finish this entire finish this entire book so I absolutely understand where you're coming from the idea that it's like because the thing about books and the thing about any sort of entertainment with a narrative arc is it's hard to get into at the beginning because you're getting used to the characters, the situation and all that. But once you're in, you're in. And like, if it's well constructed with cliffhangers at each chapter, you're going to want to read. Oh, I'll just read the first page of the next chapter to see what happened. Oh, well, you know, then there's this and that introduced. Okay. I'll go through. And then the cycle repeats itself over and over until you finish the book. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you know, I know I, I, we've been talking about this book and talking about like my experience reading it. And I think like the the plot itself for the book lends itself really well to 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 just keep reading, to just keep going. Oh, as you said, like I'll read the first page of the next chapter. And that leads to, well, it's not addressing specifically what happened in the previous chapter, but it's addressing like another layer of of the mystery. So this book Hail Mary project. It's about uh, the world is ending. Um, there is a not necessarily a climate or it's a climate emergency, but it's related to it's it's not something we did. <laughs> humanity. Um, uh, actually, it, there's some it's like all of his other books. It's got science coming out its ears. Uh, you know, I read this thing and I'm thinking to myself, like, is this like real? Like in terms of all the science that they're working on, I'm sure like three quarters of it has to be for the rest of it to seem real. But it, it feels like the amount of research that went into this book to 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 get it all down on paper and make it interesting is just truly a feat all on its own. But the idea here with the Hail Mary project is that it is a um, it is it, you're, it's a save the world uh, adventure book uh, focused on one character uh, who wakes up on a spaceship and uh, doesn't know why he's there. 
and it quickly evolves into this there's a mystery because this character doesn't know who he is there's a mystery there and that slowly unravels over time uh and that mystery includes why he's there and what's happened on earth and quickly it evolves into like what's happening on earth why they're there how they're trying to fix this issue and that is just the beginning and they add uh more mystery and more interesting layers that you would think on paper would sound so ridiculous but on but then when you actually read it on paper it's like okay this really works and i want to keep learning about these these characters and such and uh i went in completely dark and knew nothing about it um and at, at home if folks are like ah oh, it kind of feels like you spoiled it a little bit there it's like this is the setup it's on the back of the book it really illustrates like the first hundred pages as you say crofton which is like a critical thing they got to capture you in the first hundred pages and this book does it uh really well um just in the sense of not only introducing the character, but introducing the state of the world and why this character is on this specific adventure, while still leaving a very big mystery uh, that is slowly unfolding as this character um, learns more about what's going on. And uh, I'll say, like, it doesn't it, it doesn't end in a way that I was like really like. Um, I mean, there's there's only so many ways they could have ended it. And I think the way it ended was like, ah, it's a little far fetched, but I see what you're going for. Uh, that was really my only like, which is also unfortunate, because, again, I was reading that at three in the morning. So I was like, it's a satisfying ending. But is it stay up all night on my one night in the last six years that I have to myself till three in the morning type ending? Ah, I don't know. It had a lot to live up to. I'll be honest. Um, but man, it was a really good book. And I'm reading Artemis now, which is uh, Andy Weir's second book after right after The Martian. And it is not as good as uh, Hail Mary Project, but it is uh, it's still pretty good. It's still pretty good. It's it's got its flaws, but it's it's not it's it's pretty good. Um, but the Hail Mary Project, <laughs> funny enough, like it is so good that I guess it got like a movie deal right away. And Ryan Gosling is going to be playing the uh, the main character when it releases so like it, it got uh similar to the martian it got optioned pretty quick so it's funny i still have this track record of never having seen a movie with ryan gosling in it oh. and uh and, and i feel like you know like barbie's out now and everyone's talking about it and eventually i'm sure i will see barbie like it feels like one of those movies that i will see but it is funny to me that at this point i still have yet to see like i haven't seen blade runner uh i haven't seen like the notebook like I just like there if Brian Gosling's in it, and I have nothing against the guy. It's just his choices are always movies I'm not interested in. So uh, anyway, it is what it is. Um, speaking of things that are good, Ryan, like uh, one of those two books, uh, Cyberpunk 2077. That's a good game. Uh, I'm playing it, replaying it now on Xbox Series X. Um, and I played my the history, you know, I'm not going to recap history on this game. Everybody, I think, knows the story of the much ballyhooed uh, arrival of this game and the disappointment, especially the console versions. And now there's an expansion coming out in September and so forth and so on. Uh, I never finished the game when it came out. I bought it on PC, but I got 
right there's a point where they say this mission is the point of no return and i i stopped playing there it's one of those situations where i had nothing against the game i was very much enjoying it i i wanted it to keep going and i kept doing side missions and then at one point something came along and i i moved on to that or something of that sort so i never finished it on pc so i was also my pc was like i would say on the weaker end of a pc that can play cyberpunk so i felt like well you know i'll play the 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 bells and whistles version later when i have a next gen console and so uh, that's what I'm doing now. I, I got it really cheap on Amazon and uh, I forget CD Projekt Red gives you all these like maps and different things. Like no game developer gives you that stuff anymore. Postcards from Night City, like just different things uh, in the regular version. And um, uh, it's the Xbox One version, but it upgrades right to Xbox Series X. Uh, so I've been playing that version and I'm pretty far along. Like I know exactly uh how how much time I've I put in the game and, and because I've played it before I know how far along I am. I remember a lot more than I thought. Like I, I know I played this game two years ago, but feels like it was yesterday. That's a bit disappointing, although there is some stuff that that is new. But I will say and this is I kind of like so I expected it to be very different from the game that I played because the game that I played was the launch version of C Project Red's game and it was uh critically derided for issues and bugs mostly the console versions though uh but i i still thought like well there that, that there would be like substantial changes to the core game based on patches and sort sort of things but playing it honestly ryan it is exactly as i remember it like pretty much exactly and i know that they're going to change it uh fundamentally when the expansion comes out the base game is going to get changed uh to to adapt to the the way that the expansion and level progression works for the expansion but but the game is like I'm just replaying a game I already played. And yes, there are little things like when the Netflix series came out, they added some costumes and different things. There's like, out, there's a couple of like stuff that are, that's nice and it's stable and runs well, but my PC version always ran pretty well. It was not an issue. So I must say that I'm having a really good time playing it, but if you are, somebody who played it at launch on PC and they're expecting like a light night and day experience. I would say if you play it now, it is the same, pretty much the same game. Um, and for, for, for good or for ill, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that are kind of wonky about the game. A lot of things that are pretty great too. So I would say that it, you know, um, when the expansion comes out, when they make those changes, that might be like, if you're thinking about when's the time to replay this game, you know, I want to be I want to be refreshed on it when the expansion comes out. Well, when the expansion is coming out, there's supposed to be fundamental changes to the core game as well. I think I would wait for that. Like what I did might not be the best solution for you unless you really just want to replay the same experience that you played um, back at launch, because that's essentially what it is. It's the same game. Yeah. So I feel like for me, especially with an expansion coming out, Refamiliarizing yourself with just the controls and your character is critical because uh, this expansion, I believe, is one that you'll be able to jump into with an existing character or create like a character at le at the required level. I mean, CD Projekt Red's been really good about that in, in previous games. I know The Witcher 3 had that feature uh, built in where you could like, hey, just give me a, a level 40 Witcher and we'll we'll run with it. Um, 
But yeah, I never really thought about that. You're right. Like, I wonder if they do the WoW thing where they like release the pre-expansion patch, which will give you like all those features, but not the expansion to give you like a couple weeks head start. I think that would be really cool. I don't think they'll do it. It's very much a, a WoW thing. I don't even know if MMOs, other MMOs do it, but I know WoW did it. And it was kind of like a much beloved way of handling expansions. But uh I just think that the so the leveling system in Cyberpunk is messed up. Like it it's really a hodgepodge of multiple things, just as the game is a hodgepodge of Deus Ex, Grand Theft Auto, MMOs, different things. Like it's it's all these things. You can't decide what lane it wants to be in. Um the so too is the leveling and character progression system meaning for instance there are these augments that you can go to what are called ripper docks to be able to input on your character and those augments often will have uh, a lot of them will will give you very significant new abilities like i recently inputted augments on my legs that allow my character to double jump which changes everything but most of them are like you can see 5% better. And the leveling system itself is even worse because it's divided under so many character categories, pistols, assault, ninja, this and that. And each one has a series of places you can attribute skill points. But the skill points are more often than not like pistols will do 5% more damage. Like that's a useless level up. Like, I'm sorry, if it's not 50% or 25% more damage, don't don't even do it. Like, it's just, it's nothing. It's like, um, unless you're leveling up all of the pistol tree at once, uh, it feels like something from an MMO. It's not like, when you're playing a single player experience like this, you expect to level up your character and for it to make a difference and for you to feel it, you get a new ability, you get a new thing, you get a new... but. But I, you are able to draw your pistols 3% faster. That's bullshit. You know, like nobody wants that. And so the new, the new system, as I understand it, with the, um, with the expansion is going to rework all of that. And it's going to rework it for the base game as well. And so, yes, as you say, you can probably jump into your existing character, just go right into the expansion. So you could play the game now. And then when the expansion comes out, just use your... But but the game you're playing now is, I think, not going to be as good as the game once the expansion comes out. Because I think when the expansion comes out, it's going to fix a lot of the way that your character progression works. And it'll make the game more enjoyable, is my hope. Game's still enjoyable. Because if you find the skills that are really fun and you're like, okay, that's a good one, and you actually level it... They're there. They're under the surface. It's just you got to dig through piles of 3%, 5% crap to get to them, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, are, like, so where does this lead? Are you picking up the expansion on Xbox or are you going to go back to PC? No, I'm going to I'm going to pick up the expansion on Xbox. Uh, I don't think my PC is in such a state that it, it can. Like, I mean, it, it it's funny because it ran it fine. It ran it fine, but I think my tolerance for lower FPS is a lot more than other people. Uh, but I am enjoying playing it on my big TV. It, it is clearly a PC game. It is not optimized for console in weird ways. Like, for instance, in console um, you know, games, when you go into a menu where you go left to right on certain tabs, every game lets you do that with 
the left and right bumper, like to switch from tab to tab. This game doesn't. You're moving, you're moving a little thing and you've got to move it side to side with the joystick to switch tabs. Everything feels PC. The shooting feels PC. So like I gravitate towards guns that are or smart aiming or stuff because it's tough to aim with the joystick. So it is definitely a game that if you have the PC to run it from from it, that's where you should be playing it. Like it's a PC game, but uh, I've enjoyed it on the console i've enjoyed sitting on my couch um that's where my game is now i know there's cross play but i i think i'm think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna get the expansion on xbox and and play it there um i think that's gonna give me the best visual bang for my buck based on where my computer is now for for listeners i have an n70 uh geforce uh n70 like i don't even have an a thousand level card um, so that's the bare minimum to play Baldur's Gate three, by the way, which I just checked and was like, okay, I can play it. Um, so, uh, if somehow it plays cyberpunk 2077 pretty nicely, um, uh, you know, especially like I'd have to alternate back between my computer and the Xbox. I think the Xbox has a nicer frame rate, but I think I'm going to stick with the Xbox. Very good. Yeah. I'm, uh, I forgot that was coming out in September. Um, and I believe it's late September, so it's like maybe a couple weeks after Starfield. So sounds like your Xbox is going to be busy in a month or so. So that's good. Yeah, no, I've, I'm getting getting some use getting some use out of it. Uh, just time for my Game Pass to expire, um, <laughs> which uh, which would be great. Uh, Ryan, um, I there's one other thing I was going to mention in the dungeons, which I won't spend too too much time on. But Jesse and I are watching season three of The Witcher on Netflix. Have you watched that? You know, it's funny. I really enjoyed the first season, um, uh, but but never 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 watched the second season. So I am way behind. And I I thought about like trying to watch The Witcher with Ashley. And I think she'd be she'd enjoy it. But like my issue's always been they are and we've talked about this before, but they are like hour plus episodes. They're long. They're very long. And to watch the first season again, I think I just need to like do it, like just bite the bullet and say, hey, Ashley, let's watch one episode. If you don't like it, then I will watch. I will find some time to watch uh, the rest uh, on my own. But I am. I am woefully behind on like hour plus dramas. Uh, like, yeah, the Witcher is one of those casualties for sure. Um, I don't know how I feel about the Witcher. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's one of those things where the Witcher three is one of my legit favorite video games of all time. And, uh, the are, there are episodes and moments of the Witcher series that I, I really like. My wife loves it. Um, and, and was really looking forward to it being, uh, coming out and to that, you know, why we're watching it as opposed to other shows. Um, every season of the Witcher has been edited or put together in the most incomprehensible way possible. The first season that you just mentioned, and I'm thinking of now wasn't even in chronological or any sort of order. It jumped between time periods. You didn't even really know until afterwards. Um, now season three has gone into like heavy politicking, mm. which is, 
taken the focus away from the sort of monsters and monster hunting, which is to me the core of what makes the Witcher appealing. And so um, there's all these like factions and, and scheming and all of this, uh, but and characters, a sizable amount of characters, like you really feel the desire for it to be Game of Thrones without the tight plotting or anything like that. Um, and so there's moments that are just awesome and episodes that are really cool and things that are just great and characters that are well defined. And then and then it 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 just crumbles under its weight at one point and just is so difficult to follow. And Geralt, who is the best part of The Witcher and the best part of The Witcher video game, and in that game you play him, which is awesome because he's always there. In this, like I just watched a 58-minute episode where I bet you he was on screen seven or eight minutes. Like at the beginning, he was in one of the plots at the beginning, in the middle, at the end, like barely, barely involved. There is just cross-cutting between all these things that are going on. And, you know, they spread out the main characters again. And then it's just like, so I don't know. I'm not sure. We're we're three episodes into season three. Um, and I, it's always enjoyable, but it's not like if, if somebody wasn't into the Witcher already from the video game, if you're into it from the video game, then I'd say, give it a shot. If you're not, if you're not into it already, or if you're trying to consider jumping back in, I would say I've seen nothing that makes me think that you should. The best episode of the whole series is the season premiere of season two, um, which is somewhat of a bottle episode it is a monster hunting episode and all this watch that episode enjoy it and then you i i'd say you 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 would be good you could watch it like a movie you know um and if you were to just show ashley an episode of the show i feel like that would be a good standalone episode to show her um mm. but but yeah season aside from aside from the occasional heights of glory it's not a not a super great show yeah and uh made it all all the weirder by uh henry cavill exiting and them switching not even doctor who style just like recasting Geralt with uh, liam hemsworth um just wild stuff i i don't know like that that will either be like, I know I'm not giving many options here, but that'll either be um, a rocky transition or an absolutely hysterically terrible transition. I don't even think you can do it. I'll be impressed if they're able to do it smoothly because everyone loved Henry Cavill. Like you say, everything about yeah, that show, he's great. it's him. Like, that's the main feedback I get from folks who watch it is just like they nailed Geralt and Henry Cavill is a great Geralt. I will say, Ryan, that like whenever people get too hung up on actors, I'm always like, actors are made to act. There's hair and makeup and all of that sort of stuff. Like, I'm willing to, like, I mean, Henry Cavill, is he great as Geralt? Yeah, he's great at Geralt. When when they announced that it was any anybody except Doug Cockle who does the voice of Geralt on in the Witcher game, I was like, oh, nobody but Doug Cockle can be Geralt. Henry Cavill, Superman? Are you kidding me? Oh, wait, he's actually pretty good. Um, I, I just like, I, I think the show's inherent problems uh, are on in the writing room and not necessarily on the screen and, um, in terms of the actors and stuff. And I, I have no doubt Liam Hemsworth's probably a good actor. They give him the right, maybe he wouldn't be quite as like, everybody's got their favorite doctor who their favorite, whatever. 
but I just I just think that I think there's a lot that's been made about that. Um, I think the bigger issue for them is that this is Netflix is cancellation prone. The Witcher has been a huge hit for them um, in the to the level of Stranger Things and all of that, and now the numbers are trending downwards. Um, you know, like I could, I could see them axing the show. It probably cost them a lot of money or ending prematurely or changing what they were doing. So anyway, it, it, it is an interesting show. If people have opinions on the Witcher, I would love to hear them because again, it's like, I occupy this weird space where I love the Witcher three. I didn't read any of the books. The other two games I played, they're all right. But the Witcher three is obviously the good one. And, uh, and, and every time I watch the show, I want to play the Witcher three. That's it. Like even last night I was like, Oh, maybe I should start the game over. Jesse's like, aren't you playing that C cyberpunk game? I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. I'm like, I should, I should go back to watching that edge runners anime and stop watching this Witcher show. That's making me want to get witching. <laughs> oh man. It is fun when, I mean, it's all marketing synergy stuff, but it is nice when it works out and, in your favor to be like, yeah, I kind of do want to go play The Witcher Three, and and I did when that first season came out, and um, there there are great versions of The Witcher Three that were released again on current generation consoles. So the Xbox Series X version, which I I don't know if it was like a free upgrade. I f I feel like it is, but if you have The Witcher Three. It got a free upgrade on Series X as well, and and it is really good. I have that version, uh, and it's it, it it brings that game up a notch. Um, but uh, you know, I've I've got one more thing here before we exit into our topic. Uh, just a quick one here, an actual quick one. Um, this is uh this is called Guess the Game. It's a browser game, and I and if you're on Twitter, which I know you are, or um, I'm not even going to go there. You're on Twitter, Crofton, and I know you've probably seen those Wordle-esque games where it's like, you know... Uh, Ryan, ask me if I know this game. Do you, do, you, do you know of this game? Yes, I've been playing it for a year. You've been playing Guess the Game for a year? Yeah, pretty much since it launched. I saw it in a Kotaku article. I've played it like every day since then. Oh, okay. Well, then you'll know everything I'm about to say. I didn't realize you were playing it. I do, but you should say, tell it for the listeners. But that's why I asked you, like, did you watch The Witcher? Because, like, you never know. Maybe you did. You never know. You were setting me up. In this case, guess again. Before you got too long into explaining to me the nuances of it, I'm like, I know what this is. But you should explain it because I do think it is. Uh, as you put it, bring it to the show. I'm like, you know what? I should have brought it to the show. It makes perfect sense. A year ago. Yeah, Crofton. Slacker. Um... No, so guess the game. I, I talked about this on uh, the gamers in this week, but here's the thing: like, Crofton's right. It's not a new experience, but for some reason, it just it popped up renewed in my feed. It has been active for over a year um, because there are four hundred and some odd puzzles now, and it's a daily game where you are asked to guess the game. It's a visual puzzle, so it starts with like a frame of like maybe an environment or, uh, you know, zoomed in on some character art or something. Um, and then you're given the option to type in an answer. The answer auto-completes, so you don't need to know the exact spelling of every single uh, Monster Hunter entry. Um, but as you get answers wrong or choose to skip that clue, you get more clues. They are... Uh, they 
They might like show more character art. Uh, eventually, they'll start telling you what platform it's on or what genre it is. And the clues just get more and more evolved over time. You're not, I don't think there are dynamic clues in terms of like if you keep failing i think the clues are set in what you're given but eventually you get to the end and it's like if you know the game then this clue is going to give you the answer like this image is like iconic to that game and if you've played it or you know of it you're able to guess it um and i think the reason this works for me unlike all the other wordle clones there's like film ones there's probably comic book ones this one works because like I kind of have a I have a good understanding of like the video game video games video games but like you you do film and it's like well I don't know that specific frame even if it is like a classic film I don't know well it's because it's older right it's older like Ryan I guarantee you that you did not get, I got today's guess the game I guarantee I didn't get you it did but not. I thought of I no. thought of you because it's point and click. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I know. I, I got it. For the record, it's this game called Sanitarium, which is a, a game that scared the shit out of me when I was a teenager. But um, I, I will say that, that like, obviously movies have a longer, t- like, they go back to the 19, you know, early 1900s, 1920s. Um, and and so there, yeah, there can be so many movies. Uh and, you know, like well before we were born, the 60s, 70s, there's tons and tons of movies. So obviously a movie one is going to prove to be difficult when it can be any single film. I guess the game is great because video games are so much younger, right? Um, and I've been around like as a teenager pretty much to adult throughout all of them. So it was funny, Ryan, when I started it, I got them all the time. Like I never failed and I never like I had such a crazy record. It made me regret. I was like, God, what am I using my brain for? I like, I could get these games sometimes on the second shot that I had no business getting them because at the beginning, you know, they hadn't done breath of the wild yet, or they hadn't done, you know, Mario Odyssey. They hadn't done these big blockbuster games, but now that they've done them, they're into the, they're into deeper waters. Like now, if you do guess the game today, like I said, it was sanitarium today. That's a hard guess. You know, like I recognized it was a hard guess when I was guessing, I was like, Jesus, this is a deep cut. So they're now into the deep cuts. But what's fun is if you go on now, you can say, play a previous day and you can play all the ones that have previously been released, you know? Um, And I sometimes do that because like, I miss like, say I missed a week or I was away camping. I missed three days. I go play previous ones. And then I'm like, oh, that's great. I can play three in a row, but you can play the latest one today, which you'll get in one guess now that you heard us spoil it for you. And then, and then you can, you can go back and play hundreds of them, like go through them and just pick them. And, and it's really, I, I love do, I love doing that when there's a bunch, when I have a backlog of them, I love going back. Yeah, I did go back. Cause uh, honestly, like when I first played it, I was like, oh, this is really cool. And I kind of want to try other ones. And I was more just like, I want to play more of this. I don't, in my first go, I don't want it just to be daily. Now it is something, it's part of the morning routine and have my coffee and then do my, do my guess the game. And honestly, it's just, it's like I was waiting for one of those sort of guessing games to kind of fit in long term with my interests. Like Wordle was fun. And it was cool to kind of, and it is one that kind of like works your brain a bit. It gives you a bit of brain exercise. Guess the game is more like at best memory recall and like, oh, this is kind of cool. 
you know, it, it's it's a neat thing. It's not going to like it's not it's not a brain teaser. It's more of like a memory. No, puzzle. But, but Wordle, you start with nothing. You have to put in, a, you know, like the only chance of you getting it on the first guess is because you just absolutely lucked out and your random word just turned out to be right. But for the most part, you need to throw some stuff into the, the machine to to be able to figure out the guess whereas in guess this game if you for some reason know what like because because like the first one game that meant a lot to me for whatever reason was the first assassin's creed game i played the shit out of that game when it came out uh in, in 2007 and when it was one of the guesses one day not i think a couple of weeks ago and when it came up like it, the first screenshot and it, it, it uses a sort of um uh, filter on the image a little bit like it's kind of gray blue sort of thing but soon as soon as it was up uh, that first shot i knew what it was and i got that rush of endorphins and i put in the guess and when you get it right first time you feel like a million bucks you're like yay i'm a nerd you know um and so i had a bunch i had a huge run at one point where i was getting a lot in the first two guesses like on crazy images like n64 games and just different things and then when I got my first one wrong, I felt like I part of me wanted to cheat because you can cheat. Like when they give you little hints, as you mentioned, you know, as you go, as you go through guesses, it'll tell you the developer or the Metacritic score or like what type of game it is. And if you know the developer and the year, you can just put that into Google and you'll find it. You'll find the game, right? Like you'll find the title. So you have to consciously not cheat but when i was coming to my first loss i was like oh my god i'm gonna i'm gonna lose here and so i i almost cheated i was like putting i'm like i could put it in i could just find out the answer now uh but when i got when i failed it was a game that i had legit never heard of and never would have gotten and so i was like you know what I deserve to miss that. And since then I've missed like I I I'm saying now that we're into the deep waters I'm missing like you know, a good chunk of them, like a, a decent amount. I'm I'm not getting. Yeah, I, I think everyone's going to have their like get it in one guesses like mine that comes to mind was uh, it was F0 and the first image was like a quarter of the track, but it showed the bumpers and it was very clearly an SNES game. And I'm like, well, that's F0 right off the bat. I, and I barely probably even played that on SNES. I probably played it more through uh, the just the virtual console uh, side of things and, and played F zero games once they arrived on the GBA and stuff. But like there, I think there was one game where I, and you, you talk of cheating and you're right. Like you have to kind of hold yourself back, but I, I couldn't do it on one. It was a monster hunter game. And it got to the point where it was like the clue. I knew it was monster hunter. I just didn't know which one. Cause like before the PS four, they kind of all looked real grainy cause they were either Wii games or, 3ds games or, or previous um so they all kind of literally blend together and i'm like well i know the platform's wii but which one is it like i know it's monster hunter on the wii but i didn't know the title i knew the game right didn't know the title turns out it was monster hunter try uh and i remember i bought that one just never <laughs> never played it um you know back in those days when you i'd i'd buy games and i'm like oh, i'm gonna play this there's ones where you know that then you know it so bad and you're just like i want to cheat like i almost cheated on inscription which is this card game one where i knew what it was and i just the title was just in my brain and i'm like oh it's oh and i couldn't but then i just walked away and i came back later in the day and and i had figured it out but one 
was a Mar- was clearly a Mario Golf game, and uh, there's about I don't know seven Mario Golf games, but you have only six guesses. So I I put in like Mario Golf, and then I don't know the difference because you're not calling like Mario Golf one two three or four. It's like Mario Golf Super Golf or Mario Golf golf rush or mario golf something and i'm like ah it's like paper mario color splash like what what does that mean is it is it earlier or later i don't know you know it doesn't matter what year it it comes out if i don't know what order they are so i would try each mario i'd be like mario golf and the drop down menu would pop up and i would choose one and then i would submit it and it would be like nope that's not it then i would choose another and then i would submit it be like that's not it and then i'd be on the last guess and i'm like i should just google this but then i I would choose one in it and, and I would get it. But <laughs> I was like, yes, yeah, Mario Golf and Star Rush or some shit. Uh, but yeah, it, it is fun for video game nerds. That's a really, it's a fun, uh, it's a fun two minutes. Yeah, no, it's good. I really enjoy it. I'm, I'm glad I found one of those, uh, one of those games to, to enjoy because it, it, I, I fell off Wordle and maybe this, this is one of those, weird things where like I should have fallen off Wordle earlier, but when it got bought, it seemed like a really good opportunity to jump out. Um, Same here. Yeah. So, so this has been really fun and it's, it's ad supported. Of course, it's a free, free game on, on your browser. Um, there is a way to support the developer directly through uh, Ko-Fi, I think, but uh, yeah, check it out. Guess the dot game. That'll get you right to it. Well, Ryan, we have no kids or plugs or anything. We just have the diapers and our topic of the week. And uh, as we talked about it at the top, both you and I went camping this past weekend, summer camping. So let us talk about it, Ryan. Camping with the family is our topic today. Let's just start with how did it go for you? Well, um, so I want to start off with the fact that I have not been camping in uh, over 20 years. I do not enjoy camping. It is something I try not to do actively. Um, I do enjoy having uh, a, a nice uh, normal bed as well as indoor plumbing. That's kind of like my two rules about being comfortable. Two, two of the rules, basically. But um, Ashley had taken the two older kids uh, camping quite a bit. She enjoys camping and the kids enjoy camping. And, you know, we were having a conversation about what we were going to do this summer. And I got to I got to stop you because I'm confused by something. Uh, Did you just say that Ashley takes the kids camping a lot? Like, so you don't enjoy camping. So up until this point, Ashley would just go on these camping trips with just her and the kids. The two two oldest. So Kate and Abigail. Yeah. So that was like a regular thing that they would do. Ashley and these two kids would go camping with yes. nobody else. Well, there were a, a, there were a couple instances where she would go with the two older kids, but uh, there was uh, one or two times where they would camp with with family. But yeah, for the most part, she enjoyed camping. Kids enjoyed camping. They would go camping, and I would be home with Isabel basically because she was too she was too young. Like. I mean, I know there are families that go camping with their youngest. Like, I, I know folks that have gone camping with their six-month-old. That sounds not fun. But some people really like camping. I I don't. <laughs> but I will say this, that, like, I made an effort this summer to say, like, you know, we could have this as, we could have had this as, like, camping watch for the last few months r- leading right up until this trip. But I, I said to Ashley, like, you know, 
Isabel's old enough. She's sleeping through the night. She's sleeping on her own. Uh, she's she's really really she's just really good. She's a really good sleeper. So let's give it a shot. And obviously, I'll come with you. We'll all go as a family camping. And uh, this it so happened to be a, a trip with uh, Ashley's family as well. And we were all going to Algonquin. I'd never been to Algonquin before. Of course, I've heard a lot of things about Algonquin um, because it is like the most famous provincial park, I, I feel like, here in Ontario. But uh, yeah, first time going camping in 20 years. I I'd obviously survived. I'm talking to you here. Um, the kids had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun, too. Like we got to do a lot of like stuff that fit in with the kids like because we like i enjoy hikes but i don't enjoy uh carrying my kids up three kilometer hikes like i we actively chose like a boardwalk to go to because i knew i'd be pulling the wagon or i'd be carrying isabel and you know we got ice cream we went to the beach like we just had a really like the stuff we were doing with the kids on their schedule was a lot of fun and we really enjoyed it and the sleep, the sleeping situation wasn't even that bad. Like I, I, that was fine. You know, we all we all slept like babies. It was great. How did you? How did the? Two questions. One is, who? I know the answer to this already. Who did all? <laughs> who did all the prep to go camping? Because that's a lot of work. And, and who? How did you get about setting up the campsite? Like with the kids there at the same time. Right. So obviously, full credit has to go to Ashley in terms of the prep work both dealing with the uh, scheduling nightmare that is trying to organize uh, a family camping trip with uh, your family, like your extended family, because everybody has their own idea of how camping works to the extent you have one uh, set of, uh, of family members that like camp all the time and are like traditional campers. They bring their dog, they have a campsite, the, you know, all that fun stuff. And then you have the other campers who have like this giant trailer uh, they had electrical at the site. And then, you know, my in-laws who like refused to camp only went because the trailer was coming. So like a whole, you know, sort of spectrum of, of campers to organize to the point where it's like, well, what are we having for dinner? Like, well, and I said, to Ashley, keep it simple. We have to drag all this stuff with us. What do they suggest? They suggest steak and salmon. I'm like, okay, you got to pick one fancy pants. Like you can't have, <laughs> can't have both. Well, then we'll do steak. And I'm like, oh my God, well, I'm not paying for it. Um, but like Ashley did all the organizing, both from a standpoint of like, what are we bringing? What do we need to bring? And how are we coordinating with these various other households, which is like a pain in the ass all on its own. Uh, not because of the people, just because scheduling anything is tough. Um, but in terms of setting up the campsite, uh, like obviously Ashley had done it a bunch of times in terms of the kids, like we they sort of kept to themselves like we let them sort of explore we got like the toys out first and foremost and just kind of let them bike around like i think this was the first time where we had like a you know like a bike thing for the back of the van so we brought all three of the kids bikes and we just said have fun like it was it was a fairly active campsite like you would expect algonquin to be it's it was sold out but like it wasn't busy enough that I couldn't just let the kids like bike around like the campsite across from us and the campsite next to us was completely empty. So the kids were just able to explore and they loved it. So like Ashley and I were able to set up the campsite pretty, pretty easily just on our own. Uh, and, and we got the tent set up first and then like the dining area and stuff like that. So like 
it wasn't too bad. But like I said, like 100% of the kudos has to go to Ashley because she is just so organized when it comes to this stuff. And I would just say like to her, like, you know, tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. You need me to pick up this pole or take this thing and drape it over the other thing. Like I'm good to go. Like, you know, the only thing I was like meticulously like making sure I had down no problem was like making the coffee in the morning. Like that was my, that was, that was the thing that I took care of. Like, you know, so I, I am hopeless when it comes to camping, but I am pretty good at, uh, at understanding when, what stuff needs to be done and, and when it needs to be done. So that's where I came in. So my experience is similar to yours in many ways. I've been camping for a really long time. I always consider myself too rich to camp uh, because <laughs> what? Because can't because I can afford to to pay for a bed to sleep in like a hotel. But now in today's economy, forget that. <laughs> okay. I need to sleep on the ground. Um, but uh, but yeah. So we we were thinking about camping um, because we had done glamping last year when we were we were uh, traveling around, and the girls really loved the the camping part of glamping. Um, we had a we had a a, a a couple of friends who were just. Uh, I asked us months and months ago if we wanted to go camping this summer on this weekend. And we foolishly said at the time, that's so far away. Let's just say yes. And we'll figure it out. Of course, uh, then it started coming up and it becoming real. And I, I realized that I had not camped since I was a kid. And we were mostly doing it in a tent trailer with my family. We would go every summer to Sandbanks, which is a provincial park in Ontario. I would argue more famous than Algonquin just for the fact that it is like Canada's tropics practically um and uh it's like these nice big dunes of sand um you have to book a site there like really really early so we didn't go to sandbanks we went to a place near ottawa called murphy's point so not too far from our home if about an hour or so away i know that one not just because it shares my last name i i, I do actively know that one I believe it. And so like if things had fallen apart, we would be able to head back. Uh, but we had to buy stuff. Like I went to Canadian Tire. We're going through being like trying to buy a tent. And we had a hilarious conversation that was really based around this principle, which is, are we buying a tent for future camping or are we just buying a tent to get us through this weekend? Um because the price changes considerably. And Jesse's point was, well, if we buy a tent that's just going to get us through this weekend, we probably are never going to want to camp again because we're going to have a bad experience. And I'm like, yes, but we could buy a tent for the future, really nice tent that will last us for a long time and never use it and never really want to do it because we'll have a bad camping weekend anyway. So we spent like half an hour in the aisle of Canadian Tire arguing back and forth about what level of tent that we needed. We eventually got uh, a sort of a pretty good tent, uh, you know, and, and the family that we ended up camping with had pretty much the exact same model. Uh, so we were we were we were like, all right, this this works. But we had to buy a lot of stuff because this was our first time. And I would say that almost like, so the guy that my friend that I went with, with explained it to me like this, which like, he's kind of like an accountant type or lawyer type. He was like, you know, from a cost benefit analysis, <laughs> camping is not great. And I was like, okay, explain to me. And he was like, well, the amount of time it takes to pack, to get organized, to set up your campsite, to tear down your campsite, to like, you know, to do all of the, to put all of the, the, you know, to build the fires, to do it. 
all the stuff that you need to, to have an enjoyable experience, that's like the co- sunken cost. You're you're spending your time on work stuff, right? Like to to live and to 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 have a good experience. And he's he's like, for the amount of fun that he had over the long weekend, the amount of cost was heavy, right? Uh, he th- he felt. And I don't think he was wrong, but we also came to the agreement, and I think that this is true, that it the cost of time and energy was higher because it was the first time that we'd been camping in so long. So I didn't know how to set up that tent, but next time I set up that tent, I will be faster and more efficient, right? Um, same same with pumping the air mattresses. I it, they came with these like these these. Um, step pumps inside those step pumps were garbage you really needed to connect an external pump which i didn't bring but luckily my friend did so it ended up working out but like again in the future i would know to bring that and to just start with that and not bother with the step pumps it would just save me time energy all this sort of thing so there's a ton of lessons learned so if i was going back camping this weekend which spoiler alert i am not i would be much better prepared uh, and and I would the the amount of time that it would take me to set up the site, to to get, we ha, we have bought stuff so that we wouldn't have to buy it a second time. Everything would be easier. So I I guess what I what I'm trying to say is that if if you are thinking about camping, and it is the first time or the first time in a long time as it was for Ryan and I, that first time is going to come with some shittiness because. It just is until you until you get like some some good habits and understanding of what's at the and just going like if I go back to that provincial park that I went to Murphy's Point, unfortunately named, I know um, it. I now know that it has like this shower. I know where it is. I, it's a good shower. Uh, I know they have indoor these indoor plumbing centers that like that I can go to. And then there's the outhouses. I know the lay of the land a little better, so that's going to be beneficial for me as well. So even going back to the same site, and my mom would reserve the same campsite. She would try to get the exact same site year in year out at Sandbanks, and I understand why. Like you know, all the logistics, everything becomes easier. So. That said, this was the first time. And so because of that, it was a bit of a mixed bag. However, the kids who don't have to do any work, (laughs) which maybe like they love it. Um, and they, they they loved it. And unlike your kids that had exposure to it, my kids didn't really. And so this was like they were just loving to be sleeping in a tent with mom and dad in the, the great outdoors or whatever. Uh, they loved the beach area. They loved going around and s'mores, you know, all that stuff. They were having a blast. And we they got on so well with the other family that we camped with. So they had friends there. They were running around with their friends and that sort my wife loved it way more than she expected or liked it way more than she expected. And so that's great. So I was of our family, the one that is the grinchiest on camping, but I also recognize that I think I could get there over time. Um, so I, I left being like, Oh, camping. But now I I'm like, no, I, I think this could work for us, especially with the cost of hotels being what they are and, and stuff like that. If I want to regularly go on outings or trips during the summer, like it is, it is cool that it is so cheap. And now we have a tent and it's a good tent and we have air mattresses and they were comfortable. Like the air mattress technology is so much better than when I was a kid. Yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And I mean, like, I think for, for me, I was worried coming into this episode that, cause I, I had not talked to Crofton ahead of time. Like, I had no idea that you you and I were basically in the same boat. And I think even more so your family was kind of like 
brand new to camping in, in comparison to what where we're at. Because, like, again, going into this camping trip leaned heavily on the fact that Ashley had been doing this for a couple of years with the kids and she had it down to a really good science. Like, had she has, like, uh, not only the tent, but like a dining area with a with a with a netted in sort of mosquito protector like a separate table for like two separate bar propane you know barbecue type things um yeah coffee maker uh kettle you know dishwashing station like organized drawers like again just uh, so well organized and I'm I'm just like get what you need and happy to run to get water, take the kids to the bathroom, whatever I can do to make up for the fact that I've had pretty much, you know, not able to help at all organize wise. But like where I, I felt like I did kind of come in pretty handy is like, I've, um, I've had a lot of experience doing family trips where we're the only ones with kids, uh, or, or even family dinners where we're the only ones with kids. And I, and I think this, this kind of could lead into an, a completely separate topic but you know this camping trip specifically it was us with three kids and then you know some some younger folks with their partners and then my in-laws and we were all on separate sites so which is great because the last time we shared a site like the kids are up at five and of course people who stay up quite late at the campfire don't want to be woken up by screaming kids at five and but my kids were pretty good like they woke up early but they were pretty good. Like they had the tablets and uh, Izzy sleeps in anyways. So like the mornings weren't too bad. Um, but like the first day, like the first morning, I grabbed the sort of Algonquin brochure thing that all the provincial parks have and kind of went through it. And I was like, OK, let's figure out what our day is going to be without worrying about what everybody else wants to do, like. We can let the and I said to Ashley, we'll let them know what we're doing. And if they want to join us, great. If not, don't worry about it. Cause like the stuff we're gonna do is gonna be geared to kids. And I and I said, like, show me the trail that has the that is the least amount of effort and the least amount of uh kilometers so that like we can get a trail in. You know, you're at Algonquin, you're gonna go hiking, right? So the boardwalk trail, which is like about a kilometer, great for kids because though it's wagon friendly. And the kids aren't going to get too tired. And there's enough views where they're like, oh, man, this was amazing. And they loved it. It was a blast. But for folks who love camping and want to go on like a seasoned trail, probably not going to do it for them, you know. And I think that's where I kind of came in handy. I was like, no, like I can't. We definitely can't do that with the kids. It would it would just be a mess. And I'd end up carrying them the whole way. <laughs> and then listening to Caden complain that he couldn't be carried because he's too big. Um and then, you know, we went to the beach and I said, like, we'll go to the beach. We'll hang out. Uh, I wanted to go to the visitor center. And I was worried that that was a bit of like me leaning into it. Like, oh, I want to go to the visitor center. Like it's a visitor centers can be hit and miss when it comes to the kids. But I had a good feeling about this one. And we did go to the visitor center and the kids loved it because it was just filled with like animals, like moose, bear, wolves, like some fish exhibits, like uh it's just a lot of cool stuff and everyone really loved it but again like you go to Algonquin camping most folks are like well if they're big campers big hikers like really the visitor center but the kids loved it so like that was the main thing for me was just making sure like let's not worry about everybody else 
and we'll make we'll make a big effort to make sure we all come together for the one dinner that we planned that we were all going to be there for and we will keep we will you know keep the kids up a little later and that was the one thing you know the dinner on the saturday where we were all together uh we did kind of fall outside that sort of kids first sort of mantra because like i ended up cooking dinner separately before we got dinner so like ashley and i had to like swap out eating our so we didn't even really get to eat because like when one of us was hanging out with the kids the other was eating and then the and the other one yeah you know we swapped out and stuff so it wasn't like it wasn't the greatest experience but like the kids really enjoyed it they were up way too late and they were like monsters um the next day a little bit but uh you know that was the pack-up phase so it was basically just like a matter of like keeping people focused you know i'll be honest it sounds like you're complaining about camping. Does it does it does it sound like you enjoyed it? Uh question for you. Um, did the kids need to get up and pee in the middle of the night? Uh well, so here's the thing. I, I actually thought this through as well. So we have this little so you know potty training, you get the potty training, you have those little like seats with buckets, like removable buckets. We had one of those outside the tent. So essentially if anybody needed to go pee in the middle of the night that was a kid. Uh, could uh, could sit on that little potty, step outside the tent, go to the bathroom, go back. Now that's a number one. Number two, you got to go to the bathroom. Luckily, we did not have any number twos in the middle of the night. Caden uh, did have a pretty early number two on Sunday, so I had to like roll out of bed and take him to the bathroom at like five thirty. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I, you say, I sound like I was complaining, but honestly, like looking back and having you know those uh, few days to kind of recover at home. I, I did really enjoy it. Like, I did have a good time. I think, like, I would probably be more firm on, you know, our schedule. Like, the kids going to bed at 10 o'clock when we're the ones that have to get up with them in the morning. That It wasn't great. I think some work could be done there to kind of, like, trim that back a little bit. I'm amazed you're up that late because it's dark and there's not much to do. Like, after you rose well, campfire, was, s'mores. I guess so. But, like, I mean, you start that earlier. And, like, well, I, mean, I get, you know. You're you're there and lies the uh, the biggest issue is that like uh, it was not started earlier. That's the problem. And we had no we had limited control. So I loved all this. Like we did ghost stories at one point. That was really fun. We did a lot of we did a lot of stuff that was like really, really fun. And the kids getting on so well with the other kids um, made our experience really great. Uh, I would say like here's a here to to borrow a, a turn of phrase from Ryan Murphy here's the thing i i feel that like we ended up in a, a, a situation where Jesse did a lot of the pre-work uh most of the pre-work getting a setup i did most of the work once we were on site the setup the tear down the packing and 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 prep and stuff like that i i think that that's not super relaxing for me. It's not super relaxing for her uh, as well in many ways. And so I, I think as a parent, you just have to know that if you're doing camping, if you're not rejuvenated by being out in nature or by seeing your kids have a really good time, it might not be for you. Um, and I, I would, I would say that I totally get that because it, I mean, for me, 
I would say my favorite part about camping might have been stopping at the town near the campground, campground, <laughs> and having a pizza at the restaurant, because um, because there was a sweet little historic town near that near the campground. And oh, where'd you stop? Which one? At Perth. Ooh, oh Perth. I thought maybe it was an actual uh, different town. Never mind. When there's like a Perth pizzeria, and we went there, and it had like this like great old school deep dish pizza, and it was just. It was great. And, and there's a lot of fun walking around this historic town. We went to the Perth Museum, saw a couple of little things, and then we went to the campsite after. So we had this day activity that was like mixing town stuff with camp stuff. That's the other thing. If you're camp if you're camping, camping can just be somewhere you sleep and you can you can end up going and, and doing all these other things. So I just I I think that like it is not gonna be necessarily for everyone, but I would just say before to listeners, before you just write it off, uh, think about um, if 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 the pain of that first experience will lead to longer term gain throughout. And I mean, that's a financial pain as well because you're paying for all this stuff. Um, the you know uh, the the price of the tent, the price of the air mattresses, the price of a camp stove, all of these things that you might need to buy the very first time, but will always be there. Um, I mean, it makes it seem like, well, it's expensive and it's uh, not the most comfortable. But now that we have what we have and the kids are excited and different things, I'm much more positive about it. The one thing that I can't ever make amends for are the bugs. Um, and bugs are like the worst. And I'm still itching my stupid bites. Um, and I will say, yes, you can deal with certain bugs and there are bug seasons and you can be aware of them. Uh, I think we're in a good time of year for bugs and I still got bit up. Gwen got massively bit up. So, I mean, just, you know, uh, when there are no bugs in the tent and you're sleeping fine and all this, and I didn't even know they were biting me at the time. It was almost when I got home afterwards that I was like, oh shit, I've been bit up, you know? And so, so there are things that are, that aren't always, uh, the most fun, but I think for me, it's, it's, Camping is now going to become something that we do probably once a summer, maybe maybe even twice. Like it's going to be something that we work into uh, uh, our our sort of habits, and I think it's going to allow us to save money on some trips longer term as well. Like we'll be able to go to places and not be, uh, you know, paying. Like we we normally go to around sandbanks and we stay in this little cottage, and it costs us a fair amount of money. Now I feel like we could, we if we were organized, we can book at the campsite and stay there. So I yeah. mean, these are all things to think about for different people. Uh, uh, but uh, but I, I I know that for for me, it, like what I realize, it's about planning, it's about experience, and you're not it like sort of like the stand up comedy thing at the beginning. You're not going to get a right the first time. I didn't bomb at camping, but. Uh, I, I forgot a lot of stuff. My friend bailed me out on a lot of things. You know, Jess and I both forgot a fair amount of stuff. So yeah. it is good to go with somebody that knows what they're doing too. True. No, a hundred percent. And and here's the thing, like from a cost perspective, here's the thing. here's the thing from a cost perspective, you do not need to go to Canadian tire and buy everything brand new. That is, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's something you have to do if you waited to the last minute, but like a lot of this stuff you can get secondhand. I'm sure you're right. From people that are like Ryan that go and are like, screw this. <laughs> I was going to joke. You could buy Crofton's full collection. <laughs> Barely used camping collection. <laughs> Barely used. No, it's true. 
I, I totally agree. There's ways to do it. There's ways to do it cheaper. But Canadian Tire, for instance, is way cheap. Like I, I live next to Mountain Equipment Co-op. Oh, yeah. And I went and I went in and I looked at a two-person tent there. Uh, two-person or two, and it was eight hundred dollars. What? And and uh, I went to Mount uh, Canadian Tire, and uh, you know, like a two-person tent could range anywhere from like a hundred bucks to 200 bucks, you know, or whatever. It's like so much less expensive. So, I mean, or, or maybe even less than that. So I, I just, I just thought that the prices for what it was at Canadian tire were, were pretty reasonable considering also like, I don't want to have old camp equipment. That's going to be like, you know, my, you know, camp equipment can last forever. And I will say that the zipper of the tent was a bit annoying, but most of the setup and teardown was way easier than it was for tents back when I was younger. They, they have made some technological advancements, you know? So, um, but yeah, let's, let's wrap, unless you have any final words on camping, Ryan, uh, let's, let's wrap up there. Do you, do you have any final, final thoughts? Uh, well, I mean, I just, you know, I grew up a lot uh, camping. I, I camped a lot as a kid, and, and I remember going to Bon Echo quite a bit. So, like, Ash, I've already said to Ashley, like, I'm committed to going uh, next year. I'd love to get a, a site at Bon Echo because, again, like, I spent many years there, and I, I have vivid memories of being there. And um, my parents want to come up as well and, and, and relive those memories, too. And, uh, yeah, like, I think... Um, that's the critical thing. It's like, I, I feel like I got close to being able to relax camping, but I think like it, I didn't quite get there. Like I did not feel relaxed. I think the drive home was more relaxed. Uh, That's a good point, Ryan. I, I, I will, I will give you a plus one on that. I got close to being relaxed, mm -hmm. but never fully relaxed. And I will say that throwing yourself out there and changing your routine, it, it like the drive back, I, I was like, when I got home, I appreciated my home a lot. Yes. Like, I was like, you know, it is, but, it, but it, that is part of, you know, that is part of it. And anyway, I'll say this too. Like, I, I mean, I don't know about your site, but like Algonquin's middle of nowhere, it says right on the brochures, like cell service is minimal. Like even having like limited cell service was, um, I thought that was going to be like a, a problem. But like, honestly, that's probably where I was the most relaxed is like my phone wasn't going off. Like my watch wasn't dinging. I had no phone. My, I had no self-service. We had no self-service in the park. And um, I have to say that not only was it relaxing, uh, but it made me realize how uh, I used my phone for a camera because I never had my phone on me, which was odd. Jesse's like, can you take a picture? I'm like, I don't have my phone. She's like, "What? you always have your phone. I'm like, yeah, but I don't have cell service here. So it's funny. You carry around your phone for that reason, but then I often use it for a camera. And now I had to think of it as a camera. I'm like, can you bring the, your phone is, can you bring a camera? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know what? That might be a, uh, uh perfect uh artwork for this episode is is some of the photos we took and i know i i know i took some and uh i i i i just i think looking back like i think i enjoyed it we have one more camping trip planned for for this summer although it's um it it was ashley meeting me uh halfway on what <laughs> my list of comforts are uh we got very close but we, we're doing glamping it has everything you have you could possibly imagine in that thing except for indoor plumbing so it misses out on that point i like glamping 
It's good because the setup is done and it's better setup than you'll ever do. It's all done. It's all like the, you, anybody will do. Like it's like a uh, huge tents with, you know, I, I, yeah. Clamping is, is pretty great. Of course it comes with a higher cost generally, but I mean, it, it is, it, I would say, you know, to, to a point though, Ryan, that might be a good, uh, like for those who are on the fence and who just want to try it and get the, the niceties of camping, the s'mores and the different things like glamping yeah. may be more up your alley because you get more creature comforts, but then you, you still have the things that you probably would like about camping. So check if you have a glamping place uh, around you, if that's, it might, might be a first step. That's what we did last year. And that's what led us to camping this year. Right. Yeah. So, we are doing, uh, this is another thing too. Like, so we're doing KOA, uh, which I, I guess is like a big, branch or a a big franchise across Ontario. And like for me, um, both for the KOA trip and I might actually do more research now that I've gotten the Algonquin trip under my belt, but like, I didn't want to do any research because I was like kind of nervous about like going back camping. And and I was just like, you know what? I just kind of just, I'm in good hands. Like Ash has got my back here. I'm in good hands. I'm not going to do any research. I I did research once we got there to kind of figure out what we're going to do. But I, I didn't want to like, you know, make my brain worry too much by like trying to plan everything and figure out where everything was. It's like, so we'll obviously talk about, you know, KOA or the glamping stuff when we get to, I don't know if it'd be a separate topic, but it's definitely something we're doing, you know, um, later on this summer. And uh, I am looking forward to it more now. And now that you put it like, there's no setup is just like your, where you're sleeping is set. And then you can put more focus on the activities. And I guess it's more of like a festival feel this uh campground like there's more um there's just more stuff to do it's not like just beaches and trails it's uh activities and such so i guess there's even like a a outdoor movie night so you know there lots of cool stuff we'll be able to check out that sounds good good place to end it if you have camping stories and you want to share them with us we would love to hear them best tips for camping you can uh you can uh, send us an email, dad at tgistudios.com. Uh, you can also just send us a message on X, which is uh, supposedly <laughs> Twitter now. You can find me at Croft and Sears, Ryan at R. Murphy, and the show at D and Dcast on the X. Um, and uh, also, all our old episodes are on our website. That's tgistudios.com slash dad. If you haven't heard our centennial with cameos from our children, I would go back and check that out. Um, so before saying that's going to do it this week for this episode of Dungeons and Diapers, I did, Ryan, I gave some thought to what your um, doll would be with the cord that says different things. Uh, so, so if there was a Ryan Murphy doll and you pulled the back, he would say, here's the thing for sure. Uh, he would say, so there you go, uh, which is a Ryan Murphyism. So there you go. And he would say, I need to get back to that. Obviously would need to, to get back. I think, so there you go. Here's the thing. I need to get back to that. I think with that, you know, you, and I would encourage you and listeners to talk about what a Crofton doll uh, would say. I would love to hear what my, uh, my doll would say when you pull the string on its back, 
Maybe you know right off, Ryan, you're like, oh, he would definitely say this. But um, I would like the listeners to also poke fun at Croftonisms by uh, reaching us at dad at tgistudios.com. Yeah, that sounds really good. Do you have any Croftonisms? Do you know any Croftisms? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Uh... Excited to learn more. See, it can't be a Croftonism just because you play a sound bite <laughs> over and over. All right, that's going to do it. For this episode of Dungeon of Diapers, have a great week, everyone. So there you go. Here's the thing. I need to get back to that. This is his first strike. God damn it. (laughs) I still need, I have a bunch of clips I have to mine, but I haven't done it yet. This is why I'll never send you a stand-up routine ever.